0: I tell artists all the time, I'm like, man, I'm a professional helper. So sometimes that means artists have great lyric ideas and I'm helping more on the musical end. Or sometimes they have like, this is a great title for a song and this is a great vibe, but I don't know how to totally flesh out the lyric and then I'm helping with that. It's like, I I help filling gaps. I'm a professional helper.
1: Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and Morning Man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. Hosts James Curtis talk to artists and industry insiders to discover the connection between music and faith. You can connect with the show at FaithStrongToday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves.
2: Halfway through summer already. Can you believe it? Hey, welcome to Between the Grooves, your weekly look at music ministry and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. And today we go behind the scenes with Grammy nominated songwriter and producer Jeff Pardo. He's a brilliant songwriter with Capital CMG Publishing. In fact, he's been on their roster for 10 years now and has worked with many of the prominent artists that you hear regularly on Christian radio. So let's get to that conversation with Jeff Pardo on Between the Grooves. so listen you've been with uh capital christian music publishing for about 10 years now yes it is it is not often that you see a press release come from them about you yeah right yeah i don't recall seeing any press release where oh hey we've renewed our contract we've renewed our our signing with jeff pardo is that is that normal
0: Well, I think, you know, I mean, because songwriters, I mean, on some level, right, like like nobody cares about songwriters. Well, you're behind the scenes all the time. Behind the scenes all the time, yes. And so I think there's just moments where it makes more sense on a public level to kind of like talk about things and people that are happening behind the scenes. And I think a period like 10 years is probably a good period to do that. And, you know, (laughs) they'll send out stuff sometimes when it's like oh this guy had it's funny i actually today like i have a, the number one song in christian music today um and like they'll you know they'll make notes of that kind of thing but i but i'm a behind the scenes guy james i'm i'm kind of like you know i'm I, I and i like that i I think if, if if they were if they were sending out stuff about me in the same way that they send out stuff about their artists i, I would i would feel strange
2: yeah I suppose you have the ability to write for so many different genres whether it be country, CCM, hot AC, you've had success with film and TV as well. Uh, yep. I mean many would classify this as a dream job.
0: Uh, well, I'm I'm uh, I you know, I'm really fortunate. I'm really grateful for it. I think um, you know, I think the longer you do this, the more you realize that you're going to work every day and my work is making things that people listen to or people put in a TV promo or people play on the radio or, you know, and in the same way that like people who go and they make tables, like they, that's their work, you know what right, I mean? And, right. and, I, and, and, and I feel like the most successful artists um, and I mean artists in the broad sense, whether that's visual um, film, if you're a recording artist, whatever, the ones that seem to be the most successful are the ones that take it, uh, like that treat it like a job. Like this is, this is what you do with your life. And, um, and you know, nobody in the music business or in any artistic endeavor, like, do, like talks about the failures very often. <laughs> right. But, yeah. you know, like I'm a, I'm a huge baseball fan, baseball, football. I grew up in Chicago. So I'm like, I'm like a massive Chicago bears fan, Chicago cubs fan. I'm the cliche Chicagoan that like gets mad during games and <laughs> throws things and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just, it's just all us Chicagoans are crazy, but you know, like there's that cliche that you know a Hall of Fame hitter misses seven out of ten times. Right. Right. If you if you connect three out of ten, like you that that's a Hall of Fame kind of number over the course of a career. And so yeah, I think that's true in any any art field. You know what I mean? Like like you're gonna miss more than you're gonna hit. And that doesn't mean you're a failure, and that doesn't even mean you're doing something wrong. It's just so, but I think that's where the just going to work perspective, it, at least for me, I guess I can only speak authoritatively for me, but like that's been really helpful because it's like my job is to go to work every day, my job is to make the best thing I can every day, and it's other people's jobs to make results out of what I make. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, and that's a long-winded answer to, is it a dream job? It's like, I'm really grateful that I get to make music every day. Um, and also it's a job, yeah. you know, it's yeah. going to work and not every day is magical. And, um, and then there are days that are magical. And so, you know, I'm kind of grateful for all of it. Uh,
2: I suppose for an artist or a singer, uh, for, for you to know what they're up to, they record a song and they can say, here you go. Here's my song. What do you think? I guess it would be more difficult for a songwriter to do that because if you say you wrote this song, uh but you know Danny Gokey saying here's my song, it's like no 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 that's Danny Gokey's song, that's not here's your song. song. Right. Do you yeah, find do you find it of... difficult to market yourself as far as that's concerned?
0: Uh I don't because I think the people that I'm I'm like quote unquote marketing to are the bi- the people in the business, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, like the audience and the fans care about their favorite artists and the songs that those artists sing. And that's how it should be. You know, I mean, I, I wasn't aware growing up, um, of, of like writers and producers and, uh, you, you know, everything that was happening behind the scenes. So I think people within the business who are, whether they're people who work at record labels or managers or artists tend to be aware of, different songwriters that have written different things and and whether it makes sense to collaborate with those people on their stuff. So, you know, uh, honestly, whether Pete like whether someone at the other end of the radio knows that I wrote something or not, like to be honest, doesn't matter all that much to me. I I care about writing songs that people connect with and hopefully like and I mean hopefully some of those become successful and some of them won't and you know, like I said earlier, that's part of the deal, but uh, but, but actually having a listener go, Oh, that's a Jeff Cardo song. I don't care very much about that because right. my job and my calling is to kind of be the guy at the back of the stage that helps other people do what they do. Like I, I was on the road for a long time. I, the, I've been off the road for I guess seven years now, but the last five years of my touring time, I was the musical director for Matthew West when he was on the road. And Matthew's a perfect example. Um, he's kind, he can kind of do both things really well. He writes a lot of songs for people that are not his songs, but then he's such a gifted singer, performer, and communicator. And like it was a really, it was a joy of mine to to help make sure that everything behind him was happening in the way it needed to, to let him be at the front of the stage and be who he was. And, um, and, and, you know, and I think that's true with being a writer and a producer too, is like my job is to make the best tools for other people being artists to like then use, you know, and communicate with their fans. And um, so, yeah, just kind of a different, everybody has different lanes and different callings in this thing.
2: Why don't you write music for yourself?
0: Well, you know, it's funny, when I moved to Nashville, so I, I've been down here since the fall of 2000, I went to Belmont University, and when I moved down from Chicago, being an artist is what I thought I wanted to do. Right, I mean, that's uh, the,
2: that's what everybody thinks you moved to Nashville for, right?
0: Right, yeah, well, and some of that was, you know, I'd done some recording in high school and, and, and made a couple of these little projects and thought that that's what I wanted to be, and when I moved to Nashville, and especially Belmont, you know, Nashville, Nashville's an interesting place, but Belmont specifically, because you get a lot of what I'll call unasked for feedback, <laughs> where it's just like, you're just, where you just observe responses of your friends, right? And and what I noticed in the first two years of me being at school was when I would like be playing keyboards for somebody else, when I would uh, be in the studio helping somebody else sing a vocal, um, or we... Were or I was writing a song with somebody else. My friends were like, "Man, like you're really good at this. Will you help me do this? Will you come play this showcase with me?" All this side man, behind the scenes kind of roles. And when it was Jeff, the artist, performing his own songs that he would sing, the response was kind of like, "Yeah, that's okay." Hmm. You know,
1: mm-hmm. like
0: it was it was never as compelling uh, feedback as when I was helping other people do what they do. And so I think that's when I realized. Um, I mean, I kind of remember this. It was like my junior year of school, making this conscious decision to like put all of my eggs in the side person basket and start playing more shows with other people. And I started touring, going on the road. And, um, and, and really, I think that was a decision that gave me a career. I think if I had held on to the I want to be an artist thing, i don't think I'd have a career in music at this point I think um, that's
2: the problem with uh, some artists, some aspiring artists where they believe that their calling is to be an artist, whereas they might be a brilliant songwriter, and they should concentrate right. on that
0: yeah, I mean I, and again, like I can only speak to my own journey but i but I think um, I also think it takes being in a place where where you're able to realize those other avenues, which is why I think Nashville. LA uh, you know I I, even Chicago uh, like I I, like I think there's places that like I didn't really understand the the role that a producer had as much as I did after I moved to Nashville and started meeting some producers and, and figuring out that like oh there's this whole other lane that I could be a part of that I didn't know was a thing right and then I and then you know being here I discovered it but I think you're right I mean I think um I don't know. There's, there's a certain, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Well, like in that moment that I, that I was sort of setting down the, I want to be an artist thing. I mean, it did feel like death, you know what I mean? It felt like, like I have to let go of something that I've spent years and years dreaming about in order to have something else open up, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's hard for people. And I think there's probably a lot of people that haven't been able to let to like let that thing go and feel the death that comes along with it Uh, and I understand why because it feels terrible you know but on the other side of that at least for me was this discovery that man I could really have this this career um, helping other people I tell artists all the time I'm like man I'm a professional helper so sometimes that means artists have great lyric ideas and I'm helping more on the musical end or sometimes they have like this is a great title for a song and this is a great vibe, but I don't know how to totally flesh out the lyric and then I'm helping with that. It's like, I, I help fill filling gaps. I'm a professional helper. And, um, you know, and, but, but the, the step to get there felt like letting go of a dream, you know?
2: Right. But I will say, and maybe this is a secret that nobody knows about yet, but there's gotta be, more stability and consistency as, part of, as far as income is concerned versus being an artist anyways, right? Because there's so much on your plate when you're an artist. Not only do you have to record the song, and it's got to be a great song, but you know, you're know you not going to make necessarily your income on off that song unless you're out doing gigs and concerts and everything else. And then, of course, there's the merch. And you can have a team around you, but there's still a lot of work that uh, yep. many others would not appreciate or recognize to make it all happen. It might just be easier just to be a songwriter.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know if I would say easier. I would say different. I mean, I think if you're an artist, you know, uh, it's funny. I was talking to uh, an a guy at a label last week about this thing where, you know, if you have a hit song as an artist, I mean, if you're talking about the income piece of it, it turns into a whole lot of different streams of income, right? Like it's, it's you have this piece of merch, which with your title, of your song on it, and that can earn you money. A hit song will get you more gigs, uh, and and it will get you more gigs that are probably paying you more money than before. Um, you might have opportunities, like some of these artists, uh, with certain kinds of songs, and these are big like career song kinds of songs, but they can turn a song into a book, right? Or they can, I mean, I remember sure. Matthew wrote a song when I was still on the road with them, I think it was called The Heart of Christmas, that some movie producer heard and they actually developed whether it was a lifetime thing or some like one of these kind of Christmas seasonal movie things about it. And that was from a song. And so if you're an artist, you have a whole lot of opportunities to develop other like hit songs lead to other things. If you're a writer, a hit song is a hit song and that's all it is. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't know if I would say it's easier. I don't even necessarily think I would say it's more stable, like, income wise, it's, it's just, you know, I get to write more songs with more artists because that's what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So like you might have three songs out at the same time that are kind of all successful, or you might have three or four songs out that are all failing at the same time. I've had that as well. And that doesn't feel good. (laughs) Um, but I, but I think it's, I I think the bigger, like the bigger 10,000 foot thing I would say is being great at what you do, whatever that is, whether it's being an artist, being a writer, being a booking agent, being a manager, being, a, being an A&R guy at a label, a radio guy or girl at a label. I think, I think that is the thing that's going to lead to the most success. Um, and then if you're not great, then you will struggle a little bit more. Um, and I think... You know, again, I don't even think that's specific to music. That's probably true of anything.
2: If you look at the number of artists that are out there, and that, let's just look at the Christian world, there's, there's so many different artists, and out of those artists, how many of them are... Uh, what I'll call big artists with hit songs. And out of those hit songs, out of all the songs they've done, how many became hit songs, the the percentage gets smaller and smaller. Um, If you look at the sales game, you know, the more sales calls you make, uh, the more you'll close, right? That's that's the the rule that they always say. So uh, I guess that's why I was I uh, I was looking at the stability and consistency part because you probably know what your success rate is if there you know if you even measure that. How many Yeah. How, how many songs you know a month would you write?
0: Well, okay, so it 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 varies by year a little bit, but I've said for years like if I'm writing about 100 songs a year or a little over that and I'm a producer as well. So like there's friends of mine that that are successful songwriters that write more songs than I do, but they're not producers and right. so they're not having to spend as much time on the songs that they write as I am. And again, everybody's path and what artists come to you for is different. So um, I think what I'm able to do as a producer helps what I'm able to do as a writer. They kind of work together and that's my particular path. Um, But I, if if I write a hundred a year, you know, I mean, certainly over half of those, nobody's ever going to hear like, like, you know, artists are writing, I mean, there's some new artists down here that are writing a hundred songs to figure out the 10 that are going to kind of be their, their album. Or, you know, they might also write 45 and record three and then it's time to do the next sort of EP and they'll write 30 more. I mean, it's, you're talking about far, far, far more rejection than acceptance, you know? Right. So I, I think if again, it's like that baseball thing. If, if, if three to five out of 10 of mine are landing, I feel like I'm doing pretty well. And then if a couple, if one or two of those become radio songs, then that's great. And, and even once you get stuff on the radio, you don't know that it's, that it's going to work on the radio. You know what I mean? It, it feels, it feels like it, you know, I don't know. It's all hard and it's hard for everybody. And the, the best thing you can do, like I said earlier, is like, just go to work, do the best work you can. Don't let the defeats like totally knock you down. And at the same time, don't let the successes inflate you to a point that you're thinking that you're better than you are, you know? And, and I always think that I've got better songs to write. I'm constantly learning as a producer, trying to get better, trying to get better as a writer. And hopefully that leads to more longevity.
2: When you're writing music, I mean your role is to write or co-write a song and after that you basically walk away. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm once it once it goes from, you know, I I would say the process is I'm writing I'm writing a song with an artist, let's say they're writing 30 other songs or 40 other songs. You know, I might write two or three with them, maybe one or two of them get a green light to be recorded by the label and then I might be producing those songs I might not be producing those songs every situation is different but if I'm producing it then I'm kind of seeing the record through to the finish line and once the master is turned in yeah I mean I'm kind of out of the process I might be aware of oh we're talking about this song being the next radio single for this artist or I got this call this morning. Like we need to do a radio edit on a song that you produced because we're going to put this on the radio. It needs to be shorter. We need to change a couple of things in the production. But yeah, once it hits that marketing phase, like I'm kind of out of it. Right. Um, which is, which is sometimes a struggle. I, I've made more peace with that in the past, I, I don't know, two or three years. Um, but again, that's part of the gig as a creative is like making these things that then other people are going to run with. Right, Um, And, you know, and and I think, again, like the longer you do it, the more comfortable you get with the lack of control of that part of the process.
2: Yeah, I was going to say the lack of control would be a big factor, especially if you're not involved in the production of the song. So you're kind of relying Mm -hmm. on others now for the success of that song.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, sometimes you'll have an artist who comes in. I I would say, like, probably 60% of the songs I write that I'm doing demos on I'm ending up producing because I think now more and more artists are really open to having three, four, five, even six producers kind of all working on their album with them. And, you know, so there's a lot of projects where I'll produce a couple of songs, maybe just the songs I wrote. Sometimes I'm getting calls to produce songs I didn't write. And then sometimes I'll write a song with somebody and do a demo and they might decide they didn't like the vibe of the demo and they want to have a different producer do it. Or, they've already, there's already kind of an understanding that one other guys or girl is going to produce the whole record. And, uh, yeah, I mean, at that point you're kind of letting go of a little bit of that, but, but again, it's just, that's just part of it. And, and that's, you know, so you want to try to set up those other producers to win on your songs because, uh, you, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had songs in my career come back, not as good as I thought they could have been that other people produce. And then I've had songs come back and, and I've gone, wow, you know what? I would not have taken it there if I had produced this song. And this is a better, this is a better spot than I would have put it in. Right. You know, yeah. um, and, and you just get all of it and everything in between.
2: I got to say uh, on a personal note, I love albums where there are several different producers and on the record. And the reason why is because that makes the whole Album sounds so unique and different with every track that's on there versus everything yep. you know. Typically, when you have one producer, you got a lot of you know similar sounds on the album. I like yep. it when every song is different, personally.
0: Yeah, and and you know what, the, the habits of listeners have changed. I mean, with streaming and the way that the business has shifted over the past couple of years, the listeners don't care um, about. Uh, I don't know if consistency is the word, but uh, that, yeah, that sort of thing that makes particular records all have like a sameness about them. That can be really beautiful at moments. I mean, I mean, I think, you know, John Mayer's Continuum is like one of my favorite records. There's definitely like a broad brush stroke across all those songs. And, but you know, listeners were listening different when that album came out than they are now. Right. And so a lot of times, listeners are pulling songs off of records they're creating their own playlists and it's just a different game now and so what all that matters is it does this sound, song sound great and is this compelling right you know and I've told artists uh, before like I think sometimes there's wisdom in having multiple people work on your record with you because you're gonna get like I again I, I mean I, I make these broad statements I can only ever speak for myself but you know, I know if I'm thinking about two or three songs, as opposed to thinking about six or seven songs all at once, it is easier to focus and make two things great than it is to make six or seven the same level of great. And like, that is just a human behavior thing. That's how how the creative process works. And I think bringing out that competitive spirit in producers, like if I know that oh, my friend David and my friend Jonathan and, like, all these guys each doing a couple tracks on this record, I don't want my stuff to sound lamer than them, (laughs) right? So, like, I'm giving my A-plus effort into these songs because I want my stuff to stack up. And what that can do, I think, for artists is create a stronger record at the end of the day because you're getting, like that sort of competitive a plus focus from multiple people, as opposed to expecting all of it from one person over the course of 10 songs. And again, you can like, there's plenty of current examples where one producer has produced a whole record and that's all great. But then there's lots of examples, especially in the pop market where like you might have 10 different producers on 10 songs, right? You know, if you're, if you're Dua Lipa, if you're, Uh, Ariana Grande, like things that especially lean into that more pop kind of space. You know, it's just kind of whatever makes the song the best. Um, And I think at the end of the day, that's the matter. Like I said, what matters most is do listeners love the song? Do they love how the vocal sounds? And, you know, they don't care who produced or a different producer. They just want to listen to things that are great.
2: Yeah. As long as there's one producer or very limited number of producers per song, too, because then you can just get... You know, a million credits down for a single track,
0: right? Which happens, yeah. It yeah. happens less in Christian music, in pop music. I mean, you can have, and I think that's just a difference in LA too, especially in the more the more pop something something gets. Like, I feel like a couple of years ago too, I was just, I was hearing stories of a song that would be written by three people, that a different producer would be brought in on, who then had a guy that worked for him that worked on the song, and you can end up with these four or five producer writer situations and you know and at the end of the day I mean if something's a hit song then they did it right you know I mean at the end I, like that's all that matters but um but I, I yeah the dilution thing I think can happen too when you have too many cooks in the kitchen um I don't know I mean gosh there's examples of like things that went right and things that went wrong that illustrate. Anything you could ever say about yeah, the creative yeah. process? You I know? mean, you could,
2: you could have a hit song, and you could have a million people that were involved in that song. But what goes through my mind is, really, it took that many people to make that song, right? Especially I know. when it comes to the pop world, because a lot of their songs are just very, you know, not overly complicated. You know,
0: right? I know. I mean, <laughs> you know, and and uh, you know, sometimes it, it it's interesting, like sometimes it takes multiple rounds of production and tweaks and all this stuff to get something that sounds really simple and effortless. And then sometimes you get the first draft of something that's actually really complex and everybody loves it. I mean, it's, it's like one of the great mysteries of what I do every day it, that like, I, I always say if there was a hit song button, I would just hit it every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, if there yeah. was a hit production button, I would just hit it and sometimes you find it early on and other times it takes longer. It takes multiple people. And I don't know. That's one of the mysteries about it. So I, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like I, I look at some of the things that happened in LA and the pop world. And I'm like, wow, it took that many people to get this. Yeah. But then I'm not in the room. Yeah, you know true. what I mean? And, yeah. I'm, and I don't, I don't know what the ideas turned into and I don't know how many drafts it went through. And, um, and at the end of the day, it's just like, man, if it's working and people are responding to it and it's streaming a lot and it's on the radio and it's working, then I guess, Who cares how many people it takes, you know?
2: Have you ever, as far as songwriting is concerned, been in a valley where you've just kind of lost your creative edge and you're just kind of like, how do I get this thing back?
0: I think I've had moments and seasons where I feel like I'm not, maybe the work isn't as good. And, you know, it's interesting. I I think having the perspective of this is what I do and I go to work every day and I work, it helps keep the valley thing a little further away because I think like any creative endeavor, it's like training for a marathon. I've used this this illustration with a few people before, but I really believe in it. You know, the more you exercise, the better in shape you are. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of a, um, that's true at all. I mean, look at these Olympic athletes, they train and they train and they train and, and, and hitting the plateau, is pretty rare. Like there's moments where I have to fight through things to get to that next level, but there's always a next level. Right. So, so I think if my songwriting muscles are in good shape and I'm writing, I'm writing songs often enough that they're, that I'm able to execute those ideas. and, And when I see a title of a song, like I can see the map of how the lyric works, or I can make the track sound a certain way. When if those are in good shape, like when a truly great idea, because I think the hardest part about songwriting is actually having the truly great idea to write about. Something that makes, that's a compelling enough idea that people go, wow, I want to hear that again. Um, When a truly great idea comes into my studio, whether it hit me that morning or it hit an artist coming in or another co-writer, you know, if my muscles are, are in good shape, I can help execute a great idea in a great way. And that's how you get a great song. You know it's like the combination of a great idea that's executed great that lands with a great track all that stuff
2: but how so often I, are you responsible for that great idea like if you're going through a whole uh, I'm tired I'm exhausted I just can't I you know like I do the I do the yeah. morning show at the radio station and I always find like right before a few weeks before I go on vacation as an example it's just like I'm pushing myself to okay how can I be creative how can I make this show great yeah. uh, and it's it's just like it and and maybe I'm just being too hard on myself. You know, maybe it is great. <laughs> you know, I'm just being right. I'm just being too critical. Uh, how does that work with you?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, I do think I'm probably the most critical of of my own things. Um, I also think there's a lot of value in teams and what I do. So it's like no no, it's not even just a producer and an artist making a record. It's a producer and an artist and an A and R person and a manager and like feedback can be really helpful. But but I you know. I mean, I, I would also say rest is important for me too. creative rest where, where you, um, I was better a couple of years ago about this and I was literally over the weekend thinking that I need to do this in the fall. But I, you know, I, I, I would try to schedule two weeks off where it wasn't vacation. We weren't taking the kids places. It was just me being in Nashville, not writing and not producing. And I, and I, and I would live, just live my life go have a coffee and read, do some things that help my creative spirit recharge. Cause I do think that matters. Um, but then I also think it's like the combination of rest and just routine, um, that you're going to write more great things if you write more things, you know? And, um, I forget who the author was, but I think it was a, it was a British author he was asked one time, he's like, you know, do you write like when you're inspired or do you write like you just go to the office and write and treat it like a job? And he goes, well, I only write when I'm inspired. And I find that inspiration shows up at 9 a.m. every morning. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think that's a great way to, to to like think about songwriting or any creative endeavor is like you are going to be more inspired when you're working more. And um i sorry. I mean, if I'm not a great answer to that question, it's kind of long winded, but
2: Well, I, I suppose the alternative is, you know, if you have uh, a scheduled um, co-write with someone, you could always block it off in your calendar where you say, okay, I've got an hour to write. And then after that is nap time. And then you get back at it after a half hour, an hour or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, or I'll, you know, what I'll do sometimes is when I see certain writes coming up on the calendar, like I will spend some, some prep time where I'm thinking about ideas thinking about whether that's musical or lyrical like thinking about things that this person or this group of people might like and and I think that helps too like coming in prepared um, because again, sometimes you, you're not aware, like you said, sometimes an idea you have is actually better than you think it is, but it takes a co-writer or an artist to change something about it to like make it magical, right. you know? Yeah. And, and that's the the beauty of collaboration. And so it's like ne- the pressure is never solely on me, just like it's never solely on an artist or solely on a third writer in the room. But, um, but it's like the beauty of, uh, again, the beauty of collaboration is three minds tend to be better than one. And, um, you know, so it's like, again, every song is different. Every situation is different. But yeah, but I think I think and Nashville is such a collaborative place, too, that I think that helps the like the writer's block thing kind of stay away is, is you're, you're always drawing inspiration from all sorts of things.
2: Right. Uh, you've written songs that have been performed and recorded by many, you know, notable artists. Uh, do you typically have a lineup of people wanting to do co-writes with you?
0: You know, it it, it goes by. It, it depends on the season. I mean, different artists are writing and recording um, and at different times. And so, I have. I mean, I think I always want to be known by artists as somebody who cares about what they do, and I'm and and I, I want to. I don't want anyone to ever feel like they're coming into my studio and they're like going into a factory or something where right. it's like, well, I'm the, I'm the producer and I know what's supposed to happen. It's like, I don't know what's supposed to happen. I, I, I believe I'm a good songwriter. I believe I'm a good producer, but there's a great mystery around this whole thing of making music. And so I want people to feel like they're being served well in the process by me and that they're listened to and valued. Um, and, and yeah. And then practically like I have, you know, I try to have good relationships with A and R people at labels and so I, I wanna you know, if 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 an artist is coming into town to write for a week um with different writers, like hopefully I'm one of the writers that they wanna write with and um and there's artists that I that I have long histories with that I know will be writing for their for their projects. And then there's other other artists where um you know, I've written a song or two with them. It hasn't necessarily been their favorite thing and then I'm not on that list. And then, I mean, that again, that's part of the give and take of what we do too, is you'll just meet people and find these deep, creative years long, meaningful relationships, that all started with one, right. And then sometimes you'll only get one, right. With, with an artist because they'll, they'll just decide, ah, man, maybe Jeff isn't the right combination for what I'm trying to do. Right. And, and that's part of the humility of being a writer is kind of going like, you know, the lie that sometimes people say, is like, oh man, you have to be great at everything. And every opportunity is the most important thing. And it's like, that's not true. It's like what you have to do is be great with the opportunities you're given. um, And, and, like, be known as a good server of people. Uh, and, like, it will, it will all work itself out.
2: Now, speaking of serving, what does your calendar look like? Like, how far in advance are you booking um, write, writing
0: sessions? So, like, I have a few things on my calendar in September, and August is pretty full, um, but, you know, I, like then there'll always be somebody who's coming in town in like two weeks. And, and it's like, oh, man, is there any way for you to fit this in? And I, I try to build space into my calendar for the random production thing that comes up or the artist that's coming into town last second. Because, again, I think that's part of serving people well. Uh-huh. It's like not saying, well, I'm booked for three months and that and there's no possibility of getting stuff in. Um, and then at the same time, I have to value my own time and rest as well. And so sometimes you have to say no. And, um, my, one of the publishers on my team is always telling me like, Jeff, you need to be better about saying no, you need to be better about saying no. And I think most creative people probably struggle with saying no, saying no, because there's that fear. That's like, if I say no to this, they're never going to call me again. That's and right. You're going to get a this. reputation. Yep. Right. You know, and, and, and again, the reality is that's not true. Um, sometimes saying no is the thing that actually makes people respect you you know? And, and like where, because it also says, I'm not afraid of saying no to you. You know what I mean? And, and, and there's ways to say no that are uh, arrogant and like, you know, I, I, I never say no like that because I'm never like, Oh, I'm too good for you. Like, I don't, I don't think that I, I think, man, I literally just don't have enough time in the week to do this thing I'm being asked to do. And if I say yes to too much, what's inevitably going to happen is something isn't going to be as good as I want it to be. And that's way worse than saying no. Yeah. Starting to turn in things that aren't as good. Yeah. You're you're much better off to know your capacity and to say no when you need to say no and keep your level of work as high as it can be.
2: Now, as far as turning something in that's good, um, I got to say, I'm, the first radio station I ever worked at was a country radio station, and I'm not yeah. I'm not a huge fan of country music. Although some some crossovers, you know, are are decent songs. I gotta yeah. say, Ann Wilson's "My Jesus,"
0: wow, I mean, wow, man, thank you. What a great uh, yeah, song! I, what a powerful song! Thanks, man. Well, that's yeah. Ann Ann is really great, and um, and I, so I wrote that song with Ann and with Matthew West, and obviously Matthew and I have a long history of doing work together it's kind of really in the past 18 months that we've really started to write together more with different artists and Anne is somebody who we've been fortunate enough to be in pretty early with and we've just we've written some things that she seems to like and that that feel like her you know i think every artist is searching for the thing like what's what's the combination of people that help me make music that feels like me And Anne is from Kentucky and has country music in her blood, and just has this wonderful, like soulful Southern thing in her vocal, and um, and so that song kind of came from there. And and you know what, man, that's a perfect example of a song that when we wrote it, I think Matthew and I, uh, and even Anne, both all we all felt like this is good, you know, and like a good song, and like, but the way it's kind of blown up and people have responded to it there is no there is nobody in the world including her manager including her record label that like would have had any idea that the song was going to kind of explode in the market the way it has and anybody who would say oh that they saw it coming is lying you right. know like yeah. there's just no way and so like that's a perfect example of something where the creators of it actually aren't aware of what they've created like it's actually better than they thought and and even now I'm kind of like Man, this is like—I don't know. I don't necessarily think this is the best song I've written, but it's blowing up, and and I, you know, and I think sometimes there's just songs that go out into the world and and they hit the water at the right time and at the right speed, and like the ripples are far bigger than you could have imagined, and it has nothing to do with you. I think that's one of the things that I that continues to keep me humble and just working hard is like. I know that I didn't write my Jesus with Matthew and Anne any differently than we wrote any of the songs that people haven't liked. That right. you know nobody will ever hear. we turned into the label and they went ah nah this isn't good enough whatever. And you know the process of writing that one was no different. The, the thing I can say about that song is like wow I think I, I think that's a great idea and I think that that's being being proved by listeners responding to it the way they are. Um, but again, I mean, at the time we're just people in a room writing, I'm sitting in the same room right now talking to you, like getting ready for something later today. And like, it's no different. You know what I mean? It's just like, that was a great thing that happened at a particular moment. And, um, and the way you get those songs is just by going to work and doing the work.
2: Right. I I will say, and this is nothing to do with my Jesus, but as, as when I was a teenager, uh, I didn't really listen to lyrics in songs, i I listen to the production value and the way it sounded with the instruments and stuff. And uh, I think that's part of the winning edge on my Jesus is not just the lyrics it It's amazingly produced.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so my buddy, Jonathan Smith produced the track on that. And I've, I produced Anne's vocal. Um, I've done a little bit of production with Anne where there's a song called devil that's on that EP that my Jesus is on that I, I wrote and produced. And that's funny. Devil's a song that Anne and I wrote over zoom. It was kind of in the middle of COVID and we wrote it over zoom and then I produced the track remotely. And anyway, and it, but yeah, I think there's something about the southernness of the sound of her thing um, that people are responding to as well, yeah. And and again, I mean, it's one of those things that just hits the water, and and you go, wow. Well, I guess I guess we were right about that. I just had no idea how right we were going to be, you know. No.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but I think, yeah, there's 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 a there's a, a very there's a humanness in in that music um, that I think people are responding to. And and you know, when you look across, especially in Christian music right now. When you look across the charts and look across the songs people are streaming and really responding to, there is this southern element that, at the moment, is just really popular. Yeah,
2: I, you know? that's exactly what I was about to say. I think of of like Need to Breathe or Crowd or Kane, yeah. where they've all got this yeah. this bit of a country twist in there uh yep. i mean their songs could be played on country ra- country radio as well um yep and and it's definitely that's kind of you know the evolution i suppose with the ccm sound as well
0: yeah and, and 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 you know there's there's always trends in every market i mean there's trends in pop music right now there's trends in country music right now and and you know christian music is the one the one kind of like type of music that Um, is defined by its lyric, right? And so like one of the, like when you think about pop music, pop music tends to have a sound. It can have different sounds, but it's it's the only, Christian music is the only lyric uh, defined genre. So it's always been broad musically. You'll have things that feel really pop compared to something that feels really organic and Southern and whatever. But But yeah, at the moment, um, it does feel like there's this groundswell of of Southern acts and people are responding to it. And, um, you know, and so I think it's funny. I've heard some people say like, man, I think there's so many country-ish kind of things in Christian music right now. I think it's getting oversaturated. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I think I think this is this is deeper than just a couple acts. I think it's about something in the cultural water right now that people are wanting to attach to things that feel really human sonically and I don't think that's going to go away in the next couple years
2: well I remember and maybe it was like 20 years ago in in the pop world where you had some of these you know country uh, sounding songs crossing over to the pop world Um, it was that country artist uh, she was a Canadian I forget her name uh, Dark haired I can't remember her name.
0: Oh gosh, I'm forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah.
2: And and uh, she was getting airplay all over pop radio, and yet she was a country artist.
0: Uh, right. Yeah. Exactly. They, they, they
2: called it yeah. the new country. Is what they ended up calling it, right? And that's the right, way. Yeah. That's the way you were able to get rid of or get get away with uh, playing that music on a pop radio station.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think genres in, in general, and something that like a conversation that has been happening in the music business for a while. But, you know, the the lines of genre continue to blur and blur and blur, and that's going to continue to happen. A, a large part of that is streaming uh, and, and people being able to, again, like make their own playlists where they're just going, what do I like? You know, yeah. oh, I like this uh, Ariana Grande song. I like this Ann Wilson song. I like this Carrie Underwood song. I like this Miles Davis song. I like whoever from anything and just creating their own musical world where they're not, they don't really necessarily care what genre it is. They care that they like the music. Right. And so I think it's, it's created more freedom uh, within all those different, you know, quote unquote genres of music to push those lines a little bit further. Yeah. And, you know, and so I think you're going to continue to see a more diverse musical landscape where, there's going to be things in country world that sound more and more and more and more pop as time goes on and then there's going to be things in pop world that sound more and more organic and, as time goes on and mm. and it's just it's just people making music you know
2: shania twain
0: there you go yeah that's, that's what it was. right yeah i was trying yeah. i don't I mean, know why i couldn't and, think of the name but you know yeah. she, uh, shania twain man paved the way for like all of these country artists now whether it's whether it's Chelsea Ballerini or Lauren Alana or all these people that have these big pop streaks in their music yeah. and nobody anymore is like, wow, that sounds too pop. It's like that, that conversation is kind of going away from yeah. country music. And, yeah. and and yeah, Shania Twain is, is, um, a huge reason for that.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, Jeff, uh, what a, uh, great conversation. Really enjoyed uh, chatting with you on between the grooves. Uh, there was so much more that I wanted to talk about, but, um, there's just not enough time there never is man (laughs) i know i'm honored
0: i'm honored to be on here and and yeah thanks for the for the for the conversation the time and the questions and um i'm i'm a really grateful fortunate guy and so um you know I, i love getting to talk about this
1: stuff
2: Jeff Pardo on Between the Grooves. What a pleasure getting to know him and learning so much about his part of the industry behind the scenes, but so critical nonetheless. Well, it's time now for some artist advice. We check back with a couple of guests from last year, Joe and Jason from Lullaby House Music.
0: I'm very, like, new to the music industry. So this is kind of coming from an outside perspective, I guess. But I just think it seems to be so easy to get caught up in, like fame and in like you know success um in a lot of you know the music industry so i think it's just so important like for me going into it and um just as like christian artist you know to stay connected to the source you know and like Mm
1: -hmm. like why we're making music and who we're making it for and like how we can speak life into people's lives yeah, I I would agree with what Joe said. Is it's so important just staying connected with Jesus, but to do to do that through prayer. I pray before every single song that I write. You know, to stay connected, like just right in the moment with the Lord. And then the, the second thing I would say is it's so important just to have community, people that you're walking with, and just especially like a close brother or sister that can be walking with you that you can be real with about what's going on in your spiritual journey with the Lord, and they can be there through the valleys because the peaks mm-hmm. and valleys, I think that Christian artists live very dynamic lives, but just to, to be able to have people walking with you that, that can speak into your life that you're going to listen to. And that can even tell you the hard things, but can also encourage you. And the final thing I'll say is, is I believe that music is a place that we actually see the spiritual battle in life that we see behind mm-hmm. the curtain because music is such light and such darkness and so for those Christian artists that are, you're bringing light, and but there's a battle behind that. And so to recognize that, but not to, to lose heart, because it matters that God is using the music that you're creating. that can change the trajectory of people's lives.
2: Some great stuff there. Stay connected to God in prayer. Understand why we do what we do and uh, the importance of speaking into other people's lives. Staying in community, people walking with you, that is so important. Some good encouragement from Joe and Jason at Lullaby House Music. And that wraps up this week's episode of Between the Grooves. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for new episodes every Monday. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. That just helps us reach more people. You can uh, comment and follow on Twitter and Facebook at Between Grooves. Have a great week.